need somebody Help. Not just anybody Help. You know I need someone Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 193 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. After retiring from medical practice, I became an activist for family caregiving. Our topic today is, I am only a mom caring for autism. Autism is a disorder usually first recognized in early childhood, which lasts throughout the person's life. It varies from child to child in its effects, and the sort of effects that children experience variously include Problems talking with another person, never learning how to talk, not looking another person in the eye during an attempt at communication, having to do things like lining up pencils before they can pay attention, saying the same sentence over and over, flapping arms to signal happiness, or hurting themselves to signal unhappiness. Autism's cause is not known, despite lots and lots of research, It has no cure, but treatment can help with behavior therapies and communication therapies, medications to control symptoms, though these can have undesirable side effects. Autism creates continuing challenges for family caregivers, which is why our topic, I am only a mom caring for autism, is so important. To discuss it, our guest is Barb Lebo. Barb holds the MBA and BCom degrees and describes herself as the Chief Encouragement Officer of Libo Media Services, which she's owned and operated for 25 years. Libo Media Services is a strategic marketing and advertising sales agency, specializes in reaching hard-to-reach professionals such as doctors, lawyers, dentists, accountants, and veterinarians in Canada and the U.S. Barbara's been married for 24 years. At age 52, she has a daughter of 13, a son of 12, and a son of 7, Braden, who lives with autism. A dynamic public speaker and presenter, Barb leads life-transforming workshops. Her latest workshop, I'm Ready to Be Happier Now, One Mom's Journey with Autism, deals with the entire journey of autism, from before diagnosis to school. Like her other workshops, it explains how our attitudes affect our behaviours, contribute to our fears, move us forward or hold us back, influence what we can and cannot control, impact our families and our lives, and can free us from feelings of resentment and regret. So, welcome to the show, Bob. Hello, Dr. Atherley. Thank you so much for having me on your show today. You're very welcome. Now, I forgot let's get... to say one thing, Dr. Atherley. Yes. And that is I'm so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sorry we can't show you. <laughs> okay, now let's get going. Bob, first question. Tell us more about your personal story. Well, you've already mentioned uh, my professional background, so I am, I would say, happily married for close to 25 years, and it ended up that we had significant fertility challenges in having children. Um, I got my very first pregnancy when I was only 32 years old, and I ended up having my first child when I was 40 years old. So we had eight years of infertility. During those eight years, we had seven miscarriages, which is a lot, and went through fertility treatments. And then we finally had our beautiful children when I was age 40, 41, and 45. So if, if, any, of, if any of the moms out there listening can imagine breastfeeding at 47, <laughs> you can have an idea of, of what our life has been like. And now at 52, 
My beautiful kids are 13 and 12 and 7, and our sweet and delicious little 7-year-old Brayden has autism. And Brayden started out as what I would dare say as the word normal, which we are not supposed to say, typical, typically developing, let's say. He was, uh, I remember saying to myself, he's the smartest of all three and uh, very attentive and talking early and walking early. And then right before he was uh, almost 18 months, I remember we were going to Florida for a family vacation. And I remember it so well because he was going to have his 18-month vaccine. And I thought to myself, well, you know, just in case, just in case sometimes you have fevers or something. So I made sure to time this a week before we traveled. So he had his vaccine. Everything was great. We went to Florida for one week. And on the plane ride home, he uh, blew his eardrum. He came home. He had an ear infection, put him on antibiotics, and the, the, the one-two punch, perhaps, um, right after that, like overnight, he lost his language, lost his eye contact. I remember we would stand behind him, clapping our hands and banging and on the table, and he wouldn't respond, and we had his hearing checked, and so it was a... The kind of autism that I would call is regressive, regression or regressive autism. And that's when our life changed and we began the journey of autism. And it probably, it's been what, five years, almost six years now. And I think it took me probably about at least three or four years to pretty much remember who I was. And to get back to, you know, get back to the business of being Barbara. Right. Bob, I'm going to ask you now about the title of our broadcast today, which is I Am Only a Mom Caring for Autism. Because that title is based on something you said. What did you mean? Well, it's interesting because when you're out there, there are many times where I'm treated as though I'm only a mom, by the medical profession, by the education industry. And it's like, what do you know? What right do you have? What makes you think you're anything special? You're only a mom. But the joke of it is, I'm not only a mom. Really, what I am, uh, you know, you mentioned that, you know, CEO of of my company, I, I, I fondly say that that's chief encouragement officer. Really, I'm CEO of a corporation called an autistic child. I feel that I'm an advocate, which turns me into a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a therapist. I'm a teacher and an educator. I'm a a team manager. I'm a mediator, public relations, communication, unbelievably research. I'm, I'm director of market research, that's for sure. And I've got the rest of the family, too. I've got two other kids to take care of as well. I'm also a significant financial contributor, as many moms out there are. And don't forget, I'm not just a mom. I've got sisters and brothers. I've got my own mother that is also, you know, has got severe dementia. I still run my own business. And every now and then, <laughs> I suppose I, I, I leave him at the last on the list, and he, he reminds me of that. But uh, i got to remember that my husband is in the picture, too, and he needs some loving every now and then, too. And at the very bottom of the list is me. What about me? Yeah. So when we say I'm just a mom, oh, my goodness. Very clear. It's so, it's so much more than that. Right. Very clear point. Now, I want you to tell us more about your role as the mom, the CEO of your family corporation, caring for your son, Braden. You know, Braden, who lives with autism. Tell us more about that. Well, you know, I, I just ran through a massive list very quickly. And when you really take a look at each one of those individual things, I mean, the bottom line, I absolutely feel that the buck stops here. 
And I think for most women out there, I think it's fair to say that we take on more. Not only are we working during the day at our jobs, but most women, most moms, will come home and still, we still do the majority of the housework and the, a lot of the parenting. We are the ones that are still taking to the kids to the doctors, organizing the play dates. With autism, you've got to take everything to literally the 100th degree. Every single thing takes much more time, takes a magnificent amount, if we're doing it smart, I think, takes a magnificent amount of forward planning. Uh, I mentioned market research, which is just a massive part of it. And as moms, it's, it's funny because we know as moms that we stay 10 minutes ahead of the game. We've got the juice box in our pocket. And before our kids are thirsty, we're saying, here, do you want a drink? We already know this. Well, with autism, it's even more so. It's so important to be staying 10 minutes ahead of the game and to leave things on a high note. And even anything, if you take something simple like going to the dentist or going on a school field trip or shopping for something, with autism, it's just, it's not just going to the dentist. It's, it's having a video and going to the dentist first and arranging with the dentist when the office is empty and going there four or five times, just having Brayden sit in the chair and getting used to things. And, and uh, I mentioned videotaping. We did a videotape of the dentist saying, Hi, Brayden, welcome to the dentist, and then showed him that video 20 times a day and having our therapist practice being at the dentist and trying to arrange to get one of those real, real dental instruments, which I found out are about $60, trying to just get someone to give us one of those instead of a little play medical set so that we could really practice being at the dentist. Everything involved in that one little experience with autism, it's absolutely overwhelming, and it's like that all the time for everything. It's like that with every aspect of your life together then, isn't it? It really is. It really, really is. Anytime we go out as a family, if we're able to go out as a family, you know, we've got to take two cars just in case it doesn't work for Braden. For school field trips, I need more advance notice because I'll take Braden wherever they're going in advance so that he's more familiar. I'll meet the people that are going to be at the field trip and let them know who Braden is and what he's like so that they can help make it a successful experience for him. So, I mean, every single thing, you know, his meals, bath time, safety issues within the home, um, you know, play dates with other kids dealing with my other children, you know, I, I never wanted it to be a situation where I had to say to my daughter, I'm sorry, you know, you can't have your dance lessons because we need the money for Brayden. I didn't want to set up resentments in our house. Um, there's an awful lot that goes on. Right. Now, talking of things going on, it's time for us uh, to take the break. This is where, as I always say, we have to pay the rent. So this is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Bob Lebo. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America <laughs> Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We will be back. us on twitter for more great ideas at voice america empowerment what if you were willing to be controversial choosing kindness instead of judgment willing to stand out from the crowd being a leader in creating a new reality even if others don't follow you can make a difference start by tuning in to the value of controversy each week our hosts will bring you the tools to help create the world that you want to live in and explore what's possible when you choose from the controversy of consciousness listen for the value of controversy every tuesday at 12 noon pacific time on the voice america empowerment channel 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at FamilyCaregiversUnite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. I'm Bob LeBeau. Our topic is... I am only a mom caring for autism. So let's now talk about the challenges that autism creates for Braden in you. You've already said a lot, but I want to go into greater depth about those. So first of all, Bob, please tell us about the challenges that Braden experiences. Well, I think that one of the biggest challenges is the fact that, you know, not only for Brayden, but for most autistic kids, they're minimally verbal, somewhat verbal, completely nonverbal. For a long time, Brayden was pretty much nonverbal. Now I would say he's somewhat verbal. So try to take communication out of your life and see what kind of challenges that that alone places on you. It's really the most difficult part, I think, for Braden is that he can't tell us when he's sick, when he's sad, when he's tired, when he's, you know, in pain, um, what he wants, what he likes or doesn't like, what he understands. And having said that, he communicates very, very well. I know that, you know, there were many times where Braden, you know, rather than, because he couldn't say, uh, I want a cracker. You know, he would drag the chair over, climb up to the cupboards, open up the cupboards, and, you know, climb up onto the counter and grab the box of crackers. And that's how I knew he wanted a cracker. And if he, you know, even stood there at the cupboard, okay, I know he wants something. You open it up, he doesn't point. So it's like, what do you want? Is it this? Is it bad? Is it this? You know, there's a lot of different communication tools to use out there, the picture exchange system that we tried that, what, that didn't work for us. Uh, we're very lucky now to have an iPad and other, you know, there's a lot of communicative, augmented communicative devices that kids can use, which have helped open up a world of communication for kids. But I, I think that, you know, not being able to communicate was very difficult. Braden will say now, he'll say, you know, bath. And I'll go use your words, and he'll say, I want bath. And it's great. So then we get into the bath, and he'll go, bath, yeah. And it's like, that's right. We're in the bath. You want to have the bath. But he's touching the cold water tap. And, I mean, it's been seven years, you know. I mean, it, like, it's been a long time now. And it was only literally last week that I thought to myself, I wonder, what he, I wonder when he does this is maybe the bath is too hot. Maybe when he says bath, yeah, and he's always, always touching the cold water tap, maybe what he wants is for the bath to be colder. So he knows how to say open door. He might bring us a little container or something, and he gives it to us and says open door. Now, I know that that means he wants us to open that. But imagine what it's like when he goes somewhere else, and he says open door, and they're looking at him like, what are you talking about, where he really wants you to unzip his jacket. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's, it, it has so many challenges. Um, Braden experiences right now, um, we're very lucky in Canada, in Ontario, to have government funding for IBI therapy, intensive behavioral intervention, which is a very, very intensive one-to-one type of therapy, which helps these kids learn. And so we've got one half of our government, which we waited four years for this funding, one half of our government gives us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to spend on therapy. And the setting for the therapy, where the therapy takes place, is up to our team psychologists. I mean, they put the psychologist in charge of overseeing these 
thousands of dollars. The psychologist says that the therapy should be at school, and the school board will not let the therapist in to administer the therapy. Right. So right well, now... I'm going, I'm going to stop you there because you're, you're into the second question that I wanted to ask you. So let me just ask it to you now. I want to know about the challenges that you personally experience in caring for him. What are your challenges? Well, I think that I think that it's easy to say that it was it's been a roller coaster of a journey. Someone once mentioned to me that at the very beginning you're in what you call the free fall stage, which is really, in retrospect, what it was. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I consider myself a pretty powerful person, and we've all heard the term of warrior moms. I've never, you know, I heard about stories about moms that, you know, forgot to mail off the check-in time and, and missed appointments, and I thought that'll never, ever be me, and yet there it was. So going through the first couple of years, I mean, I lost 39 pounds, which is a good thing, but... Uh, you know, again, after the fact, I can look back and I can see that I was, I believe that I was clinically depressed. And I think that I went through really the stages of death. I think I went through grieving and anger and depression and, and came to a place of acceptance and, and, and now at a place of joy. But it's taken a long time to get there. And, uh, you know, one of the most challenging things for autism is that there's really nothing to compare it to. They say that when you meet one autistic child, you've met one autistic child. You can't compare him to anybody else. You can't even compare him to himself. So if we had not done this therapy, would he be better off? You know, I I started talking about not having the therapist in the schools. Well, how much better off would Braden or could Braden have been if he had had that extra time in school because he's at home half days and so it's very very difficult and you know my daughter once said to me mom you know you've got to see the glass half full of lemonade and I thought that was really perfect because it really is a conscious decision to when I look at him to not compare and not focus on what could have been or what I don't have and really, truly see not only the glass half full, but see it half full of lemonade and be able to focus on what's good. It's very difficult for co-parenting. I have a husband who basically thinks nothing makes a difference, that Braden would be exactly where he is just because of chronological age. Maybe the therapy helps a little, but all the, you know, the supplements and, and the a lot of the different kinds of therapies that, that really nothing matters. So we have huge co-parenting issues, and I can't prove myself right. I can't prove him wrong. So, you know, there's a lot of choices of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. There's a, there's a lot of stress in it. And it, it really, you know, you've, I've really got to focus every day on keeping myself up and setting a model for the rest of the family and, you know, all of those things. Right. Now, I want to go to the next question, which really flows from what you've just been saying. I want you to tell us more about the way in which you, as Braden's mom, respond to the challenges that you both face. How do you go about responding to those challenges? I think that, you know, one of the best things that I did was basically give myself a break. Um, I, I'm, I'm quite a, a perfectionist, and I, I, I have a lot of energy. I'm lucky. You know, even at, still at my age, I have a lot of energy. But I really had to be able to call on other people for help and to delegate as much as I could to be able to accept help there's a certain amount of my dreams that I had to let go. Braden may not ever get married. He may not have children. You know, all of that stuff. I had to let that go and understand that, you know, Braden has his path. And I'm quite sure that he came to me because I could clear that path with him. But I ha- it's all about, I guess, coming to a place of acceptance. 
um, very recently I had to come to the realization that it might be okay for us to split our family up for family vacations. Our family is split a lot, you know, where we can't go all together to a lot of places. And so the older ones get to go, and Brayden, you know, no, a, a regular kid at seven would be able to join us, but we, we're not able to take him. And we just came home from a beautiful family vacation, but it was, you know, going back to Orlando. I mean, I don't like to sound like a spoiled, you know, spoiled brat here, but for the older ones, it's like, why do we always have to go there? We want to go to Mexico or, or somewhere, you know, Dominican Republic or somewhere on the ocean. And I'm not comfortable going to some places given Braden's medical situation. So my husband and I have spoken and said, it, you know what? Maybe we'll have a family vacation with just the older two and we'll leave Braden at home. You know? Um, I, and I also think that it was important for me to understand that I had to take one day at a time, that uh, in doing my research, whenever I see that there's a workshop on, you know, adolescence and sexuality, for example, I'm not going to do that right now. I can only focus on what I can focus on right now. Um, the other thing that I have found incredibly helpful is support groups. I've met a, a group of amazing, amazing, I call us the autistic moms. And once a month, we go out. And they've been an unbelievable lifeline for me. Um, I think, generally speaking, support groups have been great. Getting involved in the autism community has been fantastic for me personally and uh, making myself educated. Um, in responding to the challenges, I have to be okay with, you know, you might call it making requests, making demands. You know, I'm not necessarily accepting what the doctor says just because he's a doctor, being comfortable and confident enough to question things and to push for things if I have to, because I know my kid best. I've got to be okay. You know, I've got to save time for forward planning. That's, that's a huge part of uh, responding to the challenges that we face, forward planning and thinking things through and, and you know, doing things, like I said, going to the place in advance of going to the place to give Braden that extra opportunity when the room is empty so that when we go back and the room is full, he's already been there. And I've taken a picture and I've, you know, I've worked on things in advance. All of there, there's, there's so many things that I've done to be able to respond to all the challenges that come up. Just very quickly, your comment about knowing your kid best. Just quickly, have you come across a situation where people don't agree with you, people like doctors or other healthcare professionals, um, that they don't feel that you really do know best? Have you actually come across that situation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When Braden was going into junior kindergarten, we have junior kindergarten here, you know, the, the therapist, the preschool, the, uh, the, the public school, <clears throat> all of them told me that don't send Braden to junior kindergarten. Keep him back one more year in preschool. And they made a very good argument. They said that if you do that, you'll give him a chance for more language and more social skills and that it wasn't fair for me to put him into junior kindergarten, that it was abuse for me to do that. And inside, I just felt, you know, he's a big kid, and I just felt that, you know what, I need for Braden to be the one to tell me he's not ready, not for me to make that decision. I felt that it was important to let him go to junior kindergarten, and then if it didn't work out, he could always go back to preschool. We could always split the time. But I fought everybody, and it was a fight. My husband and I fought everybody, and these are professionals. These are therapists and educators and people that know more than me. And yet, as his mom, I said no to everybody, and I fought them, and I took what I call the abuse, and guess what? Braden rose to the challenge. He did fine in JK. They told me the same thing in SK. He did fine. They told me the same thing in grade one. He did fine. And now he's in grade two. 
right? And, you know, I mean, nothing is perfect, but you know what? I mean, that's just one little example. The medical, oh, my God, medical is, is another <laughs> whole, oh, my goodness, we, do we have time, you know? Yes, indeed. Now, I am talking of time. I have to stop you because, again, we have to take the break, so let's do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Everly. My guest is Bob Lebo. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Who are we? Can we really make the world a better place? How can the mantle of personal power be most effectively passed from generation to generation? There is no correct answer, but by tuning in to Birthright of Power with Reverends Don and Jane Lewis, the goal is that you will find some help in this journey. What does it mean to be a warrior with multiple meanings of that word? How do we stay strong in the face of changing times? Listen to Birthright of Power, live every Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week, Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite. I'm Barb Lebo. Our topic is, I am only a mom caring for autism. Now let's talk about the help you need, Barb, and your experience as Braden's mom in getting the help you need. So first question, what are the most important types of help you need and why and in what ways are those types of help so important to you? Well, I think that, you know, when you get right from the beginning, and I, 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 I put this as, you know, if this was any other disease, God forbid my kid had some kind of a cancer. When I would start off at the pediatrician, at my family doctor, I would be given a complete medical workup. There would be a central organization, something exists called Cancer Care Ontario, where it's one central place where they help you, and they go, here's the support group, here's the things you need to read, here's all the funding, here's all the forms you need to fill out, here's the courses you should take. And that doesn't exist for autism that I know of. It's basically, you know, not only did our doctor, like, not give us correct information, he gave us incorrect information. And had I known then what I know now, we spent so much extra money that we shouldn't have had to and didn't have to, and you're left on your own to find out everything. So in terms of, you know, the the types of help, to have a centralized place where all the research is put together. Here's a list of all the different types of therapies that are out there. Good and bad about everything. A nice little summary of where you can go and here's the agencies to help you. Here's all the different types of funding that are out there for financial help. And here's how you can fill in all these forms. Here's all the different types of courses, the most important ones that you should be taking, communication and sensory and sleep and eating and behavior, all these different courses. And here's a whole bunch of places that you can take those. And here's support groups, other moms, people that are in the exact same stage as you, which is a certain amount of comfort, a certain amount of safety, and maybe more importantly, 
there's a support group of people that are just a couple of years ahead of you that have been where you've been that can help lead you through it. And here's what's coming down the pipes, by the way. Here's what you need to be thinking about in the next couple of years, not the next 10 years, but in the next couple of years. This is what you have to think about for education. So, you know, the types of help we need is, is a massive amount of help. But I think most importantly, we need it to be centralized because it just takes so we, we spin our wheels and spend so much time reinventing the wheel and looking around and doing the exact same thing that every single family does. Every single family has to go through this where it shouldn't be that difficult. Right. Now, you've made very clear that you want a one-stop shopping type of situation where you can get the help you need. Please tell us more about your actual experience of getting the kind of help you did need. Tell us more about that. Well, I mean, again, I, was, I think that I was lucky in terms of the kind of person I am. It took a little bit of time for me. Um, I had a wonderful, what I would call an angel, who came in and has an autistic kid who knew me quite well, and he said, this is what you need to do and gave me step-by-step. I also found, uh, you know, in Toronto, we have the Geneva Center, which is a wonderful place, and I was able to go and take every one of their courses. They have a video library, and I'm, I'm better at, you know, listening to tapes in the car or watching a video rather than reading books. So every week I would go there and take out four videos and watch them and bring them all back. So within a very short period of time, I educated myself massively. Um, I know that uh, because of my, my own efforts, I had great experiences in getting in ending up getting the medical help that I needed. It was a fight, but only through my own knowledge was I able to go to our own doctors and other doctors and be able to say, this is what I want, and not take no for an answer. Um, it was very important for me to get the help I needed in splitting the load. Um, I'm lucky I have a husband, I have a partner, where, you know, you do the financial stuff. You're better at filling in all those forms. I, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. So I was able to hand over a certain amount of it. And in terms of education, what was crucial for me is that I got an advocate I got someone that that's all. I never went to one single school meeting without this guy on the speakerphone with me because I didn't know my rights. And, you know, even with all the education, I couldn't remember it all. And so the school would say, well, you're not allowed to do this, but we can't help you with this. And then my advocate would perk up and go, well, you know, according to, uh, you know, Ministry of Education, you know, page 53, paragraph 24, and he knew my rights. So, you know, in terms of me being able to get the help I needed, if I couldn't do it, I had someone beside me that could. Because I, I, I can't be the expert in every single area, but I made sure I had an expert on my team. Right. Now, let I want to know more about the way you explain the reasons for your experience. And I... There are two parts to this. First of all, you mentioned that there ought to be a place but isn't where everything is centralized. All you need to know, uh, all the services that you need to connect with, all the information you need to get is in one place. So the first part of my question is, why does that not exist for autism and yet it does exist for diseases like cancer? Why? That's a really good question, Gordon. It really is. And, I mean, if you can answer that question, like, you know, you're, you've answered a million-dollar question, I think it's coming down the pipes. It's taking a long time. But even within all, you know, even with when you look at, you know, one of my suggestions for the name of this, of this radio program was, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes the world to raise an autistic child. Because all around the world, we've got a wealth of information. You've got all these separate organizations, and they're not combining their resources. 
So there's duplication of efforts, and there's wasted time and wasted money. And uh, there's something about autism that, you know, people don't get it. They either don't get the, the absolute epidemic, and, I mean, you heard it here first. You think it's bad now? Oh, my God, we have no idea what's coming down the pipe. It's my prediction, unfortunately, that, you know, it's one in 60 boys right now. I think in the next five years it's going to go to, to one, in, one in 20. I really think that there's tons of two, little two-year-olds out there that are getting diagnosed as we speak, and there's a whole bunch more that are being born. So we don't even, we, we don't even know what's coming. And I really do think that, you know, it's getting more attention. It's, it's hot right now. And there's just the, the more that people are affected, every single person pretty soon is going to know somebody that's being affected by autism. So there's power in numbers. And, you know, the more we learn about it, the more we understand that we have to speak up and we have to be pushing for this stuff. But right. it's not really, it's still not seen as, as a disease. It's very, very frustrating. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you about something else in your experience, and that is that you had a helper. You had somebody who was there with you who would speak up, who knew what was coming, had answers. You know, you mentioned sort of legal things and bureaucratic things. Tell us how you got your experience, how you got that help, where you got it from, and how it works. Well, again, because there's so many different parts to autism, what I did is I sought out the most expert person that I could in each area. So I, I, I found a wonderful mom who was able to give me step-by-step step as a mom to help me with the challenges. I found an amazing education advocate who, who you know, sadly has since passed away, Lindsay Wire. Uh, but there are other education advocates out there who helped me with education. I went to the best sensory integration person in Toronto that I could find. I would ask around and say, you know, who's the best, who's the best. I went to the best speech person that I could find. And I don't mind driving where I had to so that I knew that for any one specific part, I knew that I had an expert on my team. And, you know, some places I had to be on a waiting list for a year, two years, and I would keep on top of them and do my best to, you know, to, to, to get on that list sooner. I found that involving myself in the autism community helped a lot. We had a big, huge fundraiser at our house. I spoke to the media. Whenever I went to conferences or trade shows or workshops, I would make it a point to speak with the people that were running them and speak with the, you know, not just come in the room and then leave the room. I would wait and talk to the presenter and give them my card and ask if I could have their card and if I could email them. And I would email them after to thank, I mean, truly and sincerely to compliment them and thank them on what they did and, and do whatever I could to make a difference. And, you know, I made myself smart in terms of, you know, you go into a meeting and I've got, you know, you call it name dropping, but all you have to do is have, you know, a three-minute conversation with somebody, and you drop a few names, you use a few terms, and I may take a step back and go, whoa, this woman right. knows what she's talking about. Now, I'm going and to stop you, stop you there, Bob, because I have another question I want to put to you about this kind of help you've been getting. I get the impression that some of the people who were helping you were family caregivers in the way that you are, and some were experts. Is that right? And in which case, what's the kind of role of family caregivers in helping other family caregivers in the way that I think happened for you? Please explain. What's very interesting about the autism community, Gordon, is that all of these experts, there's got to be a very, I don't know exactly, but it's an extremely high percentage that have autistic children themselves. So Lindsay Moore has a, spe has a special needs daughter. The, the, the lawyer that I'm working with has a special needs kid. You know what I mean? So all of them, and, and many people didn't start out in autism, working in the autism industry. But because of their own experiences with their own kids, they were pulled into the community to such an extent as I am now 
that, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself that I'm talking to an expert who happens to also be a caregiver, which puts them in a whole other lead. In terms of, you know, caregivers, I mean, rallying around with other moms, whether it's a play date or whether it's sharing car rides or, you know, getting invited to birthday parties and, and sharing information, whether it's having volunteer organizations making use of students that are looking for community hours that can come into my home. Um, we happen to be Jewish, so, you know, to look to the Jewish organizations or to look to your church and to find, you know, again, a vol- volunteers in situations where these people can come into your home and can help having a, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to be able to have nannies in our home. I don't know how anybody, I mean, everyone should have a nanny, even if you don't have children, I guess. But, you know, to be able to, to have someone there and to be able to, you know, many people, if, if you've got other members in your family that can come and give you a break just so that you can go take a bath, so that yeah. you can go out, you know, I mean, all of us are, are caregivers in one way or another. Right. But Bob, I'm going to stop going to have to stop you there because it's time for the break but i just want to say to you what you're describing is a community uh, all kinds of people with all kinds of expertise all with the hands-on experience of caring or most anyway of caring for family members with autism but wanting to put back wanting to support wanting to be part of the community and that's enormously powerful now, unfortunately, it is time to take the break, so we'll do that now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Bob Libo. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment Channels and CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio for Powell River. Please stay with us. We're coming back. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Wealth Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. Your host, Paula Joy, who built a $50 million plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. Joining Paul as co-host is radio personality Kim Reed, an experienced entrepreneur and corporate leader who's known as the Corporatepreneur. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. That's D-O-C, the letter G, at familycaregiversunite.org. Don't forget, you can catch new episodes of our program twice every week. Mondays on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Bob Lebo. Our topic is, I am only a mom caring for autism. want now to talk about more things that you want to do, Bob, and things that you Bob want to see done to help family caregivers caring for children living with autism and just generally to help with the, the children. Um, well, so let, first question, what more do you want to do and see done generally to help family caregivers in the situations we've been talking about? Well, we, we talked already and I think that the most important thing that I'd like to see happen is some sort of a centralized agency so that from the moment that you suspect and you think you're going to, you know, have a diagnosis, here's the telephone number to call. And you've got one central place to help you. That, that just has to happen. Um, within the education industry, um, we're working on something called Beyond Braden, 
which I hope will become law for Braden's bill, where therapists are allowed into the schools in order to administer therapy, and our kids don't have to be shuttled back and forth and, and miss half days at school um, to support the whole concept of inclusion. I think that right now, anyways, that you know, it's funny because um, when you look at preschools and uh, and nursing homes at both ends of the spectrum, people who cannot speak for themselves and who are behind closed doors one-to-one, those centers, those kinds of places are licensed. And right now, you know, therapy centers are not licensed at all, at least not in Ontario. So, you know, you've got uh, these kids at two and three and four years old behind closed doors one-to-one with nobody regulating them, even as a profession. I mean, you can't even call yourself, you know, you can't call yourself a teacher unless you went to teacher's college. And yet you can call yourself an ABA therapist and put a shingle on your door and they're not regulated at all. And I mean, the last part of it is, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff for in the medical, in the medical world that, uh, that's got to be coming down the pipe if we really want true recovery from this. Right. If, we were, if we're looking at cause, prevention, and cure, then, you know, we're, we're working very hard in that area as well. So, I mean, our project beyond Braden has about five legs to it. Okay, so I'm going to stop. Going to stop you, only because you mentioned the medical profession, and I've got a particular question. What more do you want to do and see done by the medical profession to help to be more helpful in the kind of circumstances we've been talking about, Bob? I think that again, when you look at cause, prevention, and cure, I mean, my own philosophy is that this is an evolutionary disease. This is a response to environment. I mean, the reason why it's only in the last 60 years, our parents, you know, it was, they were just starting to get exposed to all of this stuff. And then you just started to see autism. But, I mean, it's our generation. We got everything. Microwaves, plastic, pesticides, food additives, salt, chlorine, taba. We got it all. And it's just uh, it's, it's an epidemic. And unfortunately, there's another generation that's coming up. So we've got to understand that, you know, there's not one single thing that causes it. Stop looking at the kids and start looking at the parents. It's not genetic. It's not hereditary. There can be a predisposition. If you've got bipolar or schizophrenia or ADD or any of those, you know, Tourette's, uh, OCD, any of those in your family tree, there's your, you know, your genetic predisposition. But... We've got to start looking at what is going on environmentally to understand that all of it adding up together, that these the genetic changes happen in utero. That's what I believe. And, you know, in terms of prevention, you know, I do believe in the gut-brain connection of things. And I think that there's a lot of things that we can be doing right now. I think that when you are in a high-risk category that the moms should be probably tested themselves for food sensitivities, not food allergies, food sensitivities. It's a very simple, inexpensive blood test. And that moms, when they're pregnant, for sure when they're breastfeeding, probably should be gluten-casing-free themselves. I think that when kids are six months old, before they start eating anything, we can do a simple blood test. And find out if gluten has jumped off the charts. Look at the first foods we give our kids. We give them wheat and barley and, you know, and, and, and all of these very hard to digest proteins. And then the proteins change form in the bloodstream and become opiates. And then the blood brain barrier becomes permeable where it's supposed to be impermeable. It's not the vaccine. It's the fact that the vaccine is now able to get through the blood brain barrier where it's not supposed to be. I'm going to stop you, not because I disagree with you, but because I want to just press you on a particular point. We're talking about the medical profession. Where would you like to see the greatest emphasis put on, so to speak, recruiting the medical profession so that they're more helpful to you and to people like you? In other words, are the particular categories of doctors that you would like to um, see more involved with the kind of issues that you've just been talking about and been talking about throughout. What do you think? 
Well, I think that nutrition is a huge part of things. I think that, you know, doctors still need more nutrition. I think that every single doctor going through school should now be having a course on autism and understanding that. And I think that the future lies in stem cells. That's what I, where I think that our future is going. And if there's any hope for any kind of recovery for this, as well as many, many other diseases, I think that, you know, Stop, stop worrying about the genetics involved in it and, and put the money towards stem cell research. We've got to bring stem cell research to Canadian borders. We just have now, to. When you say stem cell research, you mean from the point of view of a method of treatment and care. Is that what you're talking about? That's right. And cure. When I say yeah. cure, as much as recovery can be cure. But yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Now, I want to ask you something different. I want you to give us the message that you have for family caregiver moms caring for children living with autism. What is your message to them? I think that there's three things I would say. Number one is connect with other moms. You've got to get support. And again, there's two types. Number one, support of other moms that are exactly where you are right now. And get a group, a support group, uh, uh, an access to moms that are a little bit ahead of you. That, I think, is crucially important and will change the course of your life in dealing with this. I also think internally for yourself, you've got to focus on what we see, what we say, and what we do. So in terms of what we see, we've got to see the glass half full of lemonade. You've got to be able to focus on what you do have, not what could have been, and be moving forward. What we say, you've got to be aware of the internal conversations. You've got to be asking yourself empowering questions. Instead of, why does this always happen to me, your brain will find an answer for that question. So instead of asking endless loop questions and, and disempowering questions, you have to start asking yourself empowering questions. What can I do to help myself today? What can I do to be happier today? And you've got to work with what I would call transvocational vocabulary. You've got to give yourself little phrases. Someone gave me a phrase in a support group, it is what it is. And I can't tell you how many times I've just come back to that and it's brought, for me personally, it's just brought me to a place of peace where it is what it is. And I can't change that today, and maybe I can tomorrow, but I've got to come to a place of acceptance. And in terms of, so that's what we see, what we say. In terms of what we do, we have to be able to take action. That's our own personal power. So we've got to be able to do things, whether it's research, whether it's giving back and creating our own karma. You know, we, we've got to get involved. One person, Terry Fox was only one person, one, I'm just a mom, and I can make a difference. I can change laws. I can do stuff. And the, the third thing is, you know, take my workshop. <laughs> Call me. Hire me. Bring me. I'll do it for free. You know, come and let me give you the workshop so that we can have a whole day to expand on, you know, where we've been and what we've learned and to be part of the solution and, you know, and uh, to make the decision. I'm ready to be happier now. Bob, I'm hearing hope in what you're saying. Is that something that's important to you? Is that part of the message? One of my very dear best, best friends always tells me that I'm a hopeless, hopeful person because I have hope. I have faith and I have hope. People told me when Braden was first diagnosed, they would say things like, well, he came to you for a reason. He chose you for a reason. And you know what? I mean, it, it works. It works for me. So, yeah, I believe Braden came here of his own choice. I believe that he came here and he has his own path. And as I said before, he came to me because I can clear that path with him. So, yeah, so I think that you can't, you can't lose your hope because what's the alternative? The alternative right. is to be hopeless. And, and what, what do I want to do that for? So I have to hang on to hope. That's one thing that I can choose to do that no yeah. one can take away from me is my hope. Yeah. Bob, we've come to the end of this 
interesting, important and hopeful episode about a condition that's challenging, challenging and challenging and goes on challenging. So first off, thank you. Secondly, please accept all our best wishes for everything you do. Moving ahead, generating the pressures you do, giving your workshops, and also looking after Braden and the rest of your family. All of that, we wish you every possible success, everything. And above all, we wish you hope, because that, you've just said to us, is something... And every email, Dr. Atherley, every email that I sign, I sign as Barb Lebo for Braden. He's so beautiful and so yummy and delicious. And uh, he just deserves everything. He's so—he's the center of love in our family. It's, it's really very, very amazing. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I hope I've helped people out there. I am available. If anyone wants to contact me, I'm available. And I've really enjoyed this, and I, I hope it was good for you. Yes, it certainly was. Now, I also want to say thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode, feedback, and by all means, get in touch with Barb Virus. And from our listeners, I'd like to hear from you about other topics, ideas for other topics, or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And our next episode is Marriage with Quadriplegia. Please join us, same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again twice every week, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until the next show, we hope our programs help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. Hopeful.